From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 498, for the week of September 20th, 2015. The Diz Unplugged Disneyland Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan the perfect Disneyland vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I am your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by my good friends Nancy Johnson, Mary Jo Mulatto Willie, Michael Bowling, and Tony Spatel. Coming up on Tuesday, Michael continues his chat with former cast member Ben Harris and we celebrate our 500th episode. Woo! Yay! Yay! Whee! But right now, it is time for this week's news and roundtable <laughs> rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. I'm just going to keep going. Hey, folks. Hey there. Hi there. Hey there. <laughs> Are we supposed to say something now? Train wreck. Okay. No, well, nice. That, that See, bicycle we, bell threw me. See, we've Very already nice. been drinking. You know what that is? That's from the High, high Tower Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> The, the what? Hotel. As, as long as the bottom doesn't drop out under me, then yeah, really. But I think in in, uh, in Tokyo they call it the High Tower Hotel, oh, and they can okay, keep gotcha. the same logo. Wow, nice. <laughs> All right, you know that Any... bell can go places that you don't want it to go. <laughs> I've got a couple. Let's time. keep moving. All right, thanks. Let's <laughs> keep moving. Um, couple things in housekeeping. Uh, Mickey's or ha- Halloween time at Disneyland is going strong. Mickey's Halloween party. Uh, 10 nights are sold out out of the, I think it's 17 nights. 10 nights okay. are sold Ooh. out. Um, Halloween, of course, was the first one sold out, but all Fridays are sold out and then various different nights. Um, so 10 nights, which is wow. I don't think it's ever, ever been that bad before the event even started. Yeah, that's fast that they're selling yeah. out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, last week we talked about two new, um, Good Neighbor Hotels. Uh, there is one additional. The Hyatt Place. We had t- I think we mentioned that we thought that might be coming. Uh, but yeah, Hyatt Place is also now a Good Neighbor Hotel. So both the Spring Hill Suites and the Hyatt Place, those two no, ho- no hotels that opened last year, are now, or earlier this year, whatever it was, um, are now Good Neighbor Hotels. So you can book them through your friendly dreams on the Minute Travel Agent. Uh Tony and I talked about this off air, but I want to, I say I was going to save this for this week when Tony was here. Um, I tried the biscuit sandwich at Whitewater Snacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that sounded yes. good. It well, it's it was okay. Mm. It was dry, but mm. it was it was fresh. Uh, it was a, a, a like a freshly fried egg. It was a huge uh, biscuit. Um, like almost the size, almost the size of a hamburger bun. Oh, that's a bit. Large. Not not like it, not like a huge hamburger bun, but like a normal, maybe quarter pounder size hamburger. Was it bun. like a country biscuit kind of thing? It was. I, I don't know, and it was really weird because it wasn't. It wasn't flat, and and it was curved the, on top, and it was super dry. The biscuit was super dry. And since I've traveled now in the south a lot it seems like i'm here all the time so i'm going to become the southern biscuit expert oh, oh, oh you got nothing on me baby you're you're gonna I, i'm just saying biscuits aren't meant to be hamburger 
fun side. No, no very, uh, very no, correct. They're not. Very correct. They're dense and they're not designed that way. Yeah, but it, so it was a fresh egg, uh, bacon, and American cheese on it. So. Yeah. Tom, would putting butter on it would have would that have helped the? I don't know how you would because it was all stuck together. I don't know how you would got butter on it. Okay, can we stop there for a second? Yeah, putting butter. On everything helps. Well, that's true. <laughs> like it's like bacon and butter. Everything's better, no matter what. Well, I'm just thinking. <laughs> but in the case of if I had to have a dry biscuit breakfast, I would have forced that baby apart and slapped some butter on there. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I mean, I ate enough of it to fill me up. But also comes comes with a little side of uh, grapes, so you get your, you get your fruit in there. Um, since we've been talking about Halloween, let's talk about Christmas a bit. Uh, Disney, yeah, a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago, Disney confirmed the dates of Christmas, but not much else. Uh, Christmas is November 13th through January 6th. So now they confirmed some of the other things that are happening at Christmas. Um, I'm not going to go through everything that is the same. I'm just going to tell you what's different. So uh, we will not will not be seeing... Uh, uh, not Mickey Sensational. Instead, during the day, we'll see Christmas Fantasy. And okay. then at night, we'll see Paint the Night. That's good. Uh, Believe in Holiday Magic will not be presented. Instead, we will see Disneyland Forever Fireworks continuing through the holiday season. Interesting. Um, and, of course, Big Thunder Ranch Jamboree is bye-bye. So, um, Santa is moving... To a new area in Critter Country. Huh. In Critter Country. In Critter Country. So he's going to be way back, worse, worse, further back than he was before. They're going to so. get oh, people just... to that part of the park, kicking and screaming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the a... maybe he'll be with Winnie the Pooh or something. Well, I was thinking, is he going to displace Pooh, poor Pooh? Well, or maybe, maybe. Pooh and and they can take Rabbit. There'll be elves. They'll have elf, yeah. There you go. Little elf shoes. And then. Con- confusing enough, uh, over at California Adventure, both World of Color Celebrate and World of Color Winter Dreams will be presented. Oh. So I'm not sure how that's going to work, but... Will Neil uh, Patrick Harris be yeah, presenting? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't or are they going to drag Olaf back out? Yes, of course. They'll probably do one and then the other and alternate them. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe yeah, one one one. Well, but then how do you get a fast pass? You it's gonna be ticket. it's gonna you be. You go chaos. to the kiosk, you get a fast. No, pass. no, no, no. But if you want to see celebrate versus winter dreams, or yeah, They'll, well, you know, it'll be like Phantasmic where they have you choose you choose, choose one the show, times, yeah, yeah, yeah. choose one show. But that's not how it works currently. So they're gonna have to. Yeah, it's weird. Um, okay, so any other housekeeping? Um, you know, I know I had one. <laughs> uh, you're going to talk about that event you oh, went yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we were at the, we went to a D23 event. It's called, you've got a, you've never had a friend like D23. And you may have read about huh. it a few, a couple of months ago. D23, they were going to have a celebration of Aladdin's anniversary. They were calling it Aladdin's diamond anniversary, but it's, it's its 23rd anniversary for D23. And people, you're going to get three wishes. And what it was is you're going to vote for if you wanted your city to host this event. And three cities would be chosen. And so Seattle, 
Phoenix and Sacramento were chosen, all in the West, yes. which created a lot of uh, discussion on the boards. But I think probably a bulk of D23 members are in the West. So that may be why. So what it was is you, you had to then go in and sign up and it was a, it was a showing of Aladdin on the big screen. And it's, it was fascinating as you hear people talking that how many people have never seen it on the big screen? And so we got there and, you know, we got, we checked in. Jeffrey, the Disney geek was there. He said hello to everybody. And we went in, got our free popcorn, which was very nice. And we, before the film started, they showed a little um, clip of um, Ron Clemens and John Musker talking about their time together. They, of course, worked on, uh, on Little Mermaid together and worked on Aladdin together and, and other films. And they were just sort of reminiscing and chatting and things like that. And I expect this is going to be one of the um, extras on the DVD. And they talked a little about Aladdin. And then they had the, uh, the voice uh, the singing voice of Aladdin come out and he chatted about his time on Aladdin and why was he the singing voice and not also the speaking voice. And the speaking voice got hired first and it turned out he really couldn't sing. So they <laughs> had to, um, they matched him up, um, you know, with it and, and with the voice. They did a good job because as he pointed out in the middle of one of the songs, um, Aladdin speaks and they had to cut in the speaking voice you know, for that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it was really <laughs> funny. So, and so we all, of course, listened to that part. And um, anyway, so, so anyway, so he actually sang um, Whole New World. They had a local singer come in to sing Jasmine's part. She was fantastic. And, and then we, um, then we saw the film and, you know, the way it was meant to be seen. Um, you know, we're also used to the stage musical at, California Adventure that you, you forget a lot of what was in the film. And then, then at the end. Like Abu. Yeah, exactly. Like Abu. And then at the end, so it was interesting to see how they had to change the film in order to deal with um, Abu being missing, how they changed the musical, the stage musical, and how they had to change a few other things just for um, staging purposes. And then at the end, we all got gifts. We got, um, in some cities, Eric Goldberg was the special guest. And so we got a special drawing of the genie and his top hat and all that that was done by Eric Goldberg for uh, the for this event. And it's signed by him, and it's on really good, thick, heavy cardstock. We got three um, postcards from Agrabah um, talk, showing... Oh, I have them down here showing the different lovely spots of the world, like a dazzling place I never knew, the Great Palace at Agrabah, um, a thousand, a hundred thousand things to see, the Cave of Wonders, and then a new fantastic um, point of view, um, the marketplace, Agrabah. And actually, this card is autographed, and I'm not exactly sure who autographed it. Then we got <laughs> a magnet, because the big promo, I, I think, for D23 now is, when did it start for you? And they ran a couple of little um, little sizzle reels where it was all about when did it start for you? And they were talking, of, you know, asking people who are on various ABC shows and in films and, you know, Richard Sherman and, you know, people like that. You know, when did your Disney fandom start? And then they also had little foam, um, oh, like iPhone cases that said D23 on it. But, of course, most um, 
the current iPhones probably wouldn't fit in it anymore because they're so large. So it was really nice. I mean, it was just a, a very nice event. So keep an eye out for those. I know they're doing a Pinocchio event in Florida coming up that should be similar to this. So um, keep an eye out. I think they're going to be doing more of these. Sounds cool. like a good event. It was. It was really good. And the tickets were free. Uh, the only Shoot. thing you really had to pay for was, you know, if you wanted drinks to go with your popcorn. <laughs> so um, so it was hey. great. Nice. Nice. Any other housekeeping? Michael, did you catch the that PBS thing? I did. And I have okay. notes. Did anybody, oh. did anybody else watch it? Yes. I, okay. I was in a hotel room. I don't know, remember where I was. But I saw the Jim. H- I saw the second half because I saw the Jim Henson one right before it, and then it led into the Walt one. So I got to see the second half of the Walt one, and I thought it was really interesting. But I was actually really waiting to hear what you had to say about it, and I was disappointed that when they showed the Mickey Mouse Club, I didn't. I was looking for you. Well, th- th- um, that wasn't my club. <laughs> I know. I, well, I, I know. I, I still wanted it. to see you somewhere. Well, I wanted. To- <laughs> I was. Um, I was. I was just still a a, a a sparkle in my parents' eye back then. So I wasn't born yet, but I was just hoping it was in some clip somewhere at yeah. some point in that whole thing. It would, if they showed the Tencennial, it would have been nice to have seen if they showed us in that. But I was in the Disneyland Mickey Mouse chapter club chapter in the sixties. So and um, oh, and I forgot to say who the voice of Aladdin was. Um, Brad Kane, Nikki. Nikki was also there at the event. Who's in the chat room right now? And so I got to meet her. So That's cool. Gave her a button. So, um, you know, this was a daunting project for anybody to take on the life of Walt Disney and to do it in just four hours. I mean, you, you, for some people, you were bound to fail from the very beginning and other people, you had nowhere to go but up because they didn't know anything about Walt Disney. So I think this, this was a big, big, big person for PBS to tackle in just four hours. Um, some of the things that they, uh, you know, some of the things, some of the people they had to talk about, I don't know, on this, um, you know, they did have some people like Floyd Norman, Richard Sherman, Raleigh Crump, who worked with, uh, you know, they had Alice Davis, you know, they had Bob Gurr, who worked directly with Walt. I don't think they had them enough. They had Ron Miller, but they had them very short compared to other people who had never met Walt, who had never worked with Walt, who um, wrote, uh, some of them, not all, um, wrote about Walt. Like Richard Schickel, he wrote the um, Disney version. A lot of the negative stories that came out about Walt in, in you know after he passed away came from this book that Richard Schickel wrote that People couldn't substantiate, and luckily it wasn't it wasn't brought out in this miniseries in this biography. They didn't talk about anti-Semitism and and things like that that have never been substantiated. Um, Neil Gabler was the primary person in there. He was the biographer. He was the one that that um, Diane Disney Miller actively campaigned the Disney company to disavow. But he was, he was the one that, uh, it was Michael Eisner who recruited him to write the biography. And he gave him access to the archives, but he did not have access to the Disney family. So he never spoke to any of them about Walt. You know, Stephen Watts, he did write The Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney, and The American Way of Life. Um, 
and all of that. Uh, there were some things like Ron Siskine. He, I felt that they were so concerned about being accused of writing a sugary, you know, a Disney version of Walt Disney, that they went the other way a little too much. Um, I thought that there was a lot of armchair psychoanalysis going on where they were making suppositions and, and getting into Walt Disney's head and, and attributing his actions to things in his past and, and experiences when Walt had can, never talked about it or even shared that can, with anybody. Go on. Can I agree with you as someone who wasn't watching it for what you were? I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. It was all why he did this, why Song of the South was made. Like there were all these reasons, but they never, I'm totally with you. They, it was just psychoanalysis where there was no reason for it. Yeah. So that seems weird that they would take it from that tack, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, they put a lot into how um, Walt's father, Elias, was an imperious, brutal character. Well, okay, maybe by today's standards in the 21st century he was, but back in the late 19th, early 20th, 20th century, the, Elias wasn't different. It wasn't that different. Um, my grandfather lived around that time, and I remember the stories my father told of his childhood and I was thinking, this jovial old man did this kind of stuff. It's the kind of stuff Elias did. That was the way children were raised in those days. So, but they all attributed it to, you know, because uh, that Walt and, and the kid, the the family was just so abused by by Elias that um, what Walt did was he yearned for things he didn't get as a child, and that he wanted to be the antithesis of his father, and. There's no evidence of that. It is the exact opposite. Walt, um, Walt constantly, t- he said he had a hard life, but that it taught him to work hard and to strive, always strive for more. Always, he, all the, all his good qualities that he had, he attributed to his parents and, and he admired them greatly and, and, and loved that, loved them. There were some, there were some inaccuracies in the show. They claimed that, um, Walt wanted the Disney Brothers studio changed to the Walt Disney studio because, you know, he was so egotistical. Um, it was actually Roy's idea to change the name of the studio. Roy felt that Walt was the personality of the studio, that everything that was being done at the studio was Walt's vision and that Walt was the person everybody looked to. And so it was only right that the studio be named after him. Roy shunned the spotlight. Roy was happy in his position of supporting Walt and his dreams. I mean, Walt loved um, Roy and Roy loved Walt. So it wasn't that, um, um, you know, that Walt didn't, uh, you know, that, that Walt wanted to take all, you know, sort of push Roy out of the picture. There's a thing that Walt didn't go to his father's funeral. Walt didn't go to funerals. There are other people's funerals he didn't go to. And he was very open about that. Um, It's funny. I'm glad you said that because what was interesting was, again, as someone who was watching it, just watching it, but of course I know it's media stuff, but they totally sold that like it was a purposeful reason yeah, no it wasn't he did go to his mother's funeral he was very close to her but walt blamed himself for her death um they what happened is it was true that he and roy um built them a house 
that they lived in. We have to remember that in those days, gas did not emit the odor that it does now. And so there was a, there was a problem with a gas and carbon monoxide leak in the heater. Um, they, uh, I think one of the parents had mentioned it. Um, Walt was, was going to call a repairman, didn't get to it immediately. And then as a result of that, um, Flora did pass away. And so Walt felt he totally took the full burden of his mother's death on his shoulders for the rest of his life. And so I wow. think that might be why, um, why they, uh, why they went to the, um, why he went to that funeral. So, um, and, you know, and then they talked about how, um, you know, Walt wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't paying animators, you know, and, and he was keeping the money and things like that. What they didn't mention is, is that the studio was losing money, hand over fist. Charles Mintz, that they did mention in the show when he had the agreement with um, the shorts and, and Oswald the Rabbit, he wasn't paying Walt, wasn't giving them the fair share. And they were, and because of Walt's standards, they were losing money. And so Walt and Lillian were going out there to sign a new contract and to say, where is the rest of the money that we're owed? And this is how much these are, um, you know, how much these shorts are costing. Because Mintz was also telling Walt these weren't good enough, that people wanted more, that he wasn't going to be able to sell these. And so one of, that was one of the, co- one of the problems Walt was facing was not being able to make payroll. And he would pay the animators before he and Walt drew the salary, if there was any salary to draw. They always took it last. Um, you know, a couple of other things. Um, yeah, oh, the one about how what, they said Walt would have conversations with Mickey Mouse, as if there was like a split personality thing going on. There was, there was, I've never, ever any evidence of that. And... Um, they, they said yeah, another issue was that Lillian didn't want children due to Walt's long hours at the studio. Uh, and, but Walt talked her into it. it. That also is not true. Lillian had a really hard time getting pregnant. And she felt terrible about it. She didn't keep children full term. Um, she had miscarriages. It, this was something that uh, they mourned over this together. And... Um, it, it was to the point that even when, when they were pregnant with Diane, they didn't even want to tell anybody at first wow. because they were so worried that, that um, they would lose the baby. So I think that might explain why Walt was so ecstatic and maybe why he was such a doting father, because it was so hard for them to have Diane. And then they um, and then they uh, and then they adopted Sharon as well because they they wanted more children so um so again you know this whole i don't know where they got some of these stories and and i felt too and i don't know tony if you saw saw this that a lot of the qualities the people who worked with him thought were the positive qualities the people that didn't work with him talked about how they were negative qualities you're right yeah i really where i really noticed it the whole psychoanalysis piece was the Song of the South person, which I understand that's a controversial movie, but it was just interesting how, and obviously there's going to be negativity with it, but how, like, she knew why he did it. Mm -hmm. I was like, really? Like, how do you, first of all, she was younger than all of us, 
So it was just interesting that the expert on some of the experts weren't even alive when he died. Mm-hmm. I had hard. I just kind of had a hard time with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And and you're right. They and they there was a lot less of the people that worked with them than there were these talking heads. And you know, even and I know there's a lot. There's not as many people who worked with them still with us, but there's a tremendous amount of footage in the archives or even the Walt Disney Family Museum that they could have used of, of interviews that have been recorded about people talking about Walt, you know, that's out there and available. Uh, they talked about how women were relegated to the low-wage ink and paint department. What they didn't mention is only the Disney studio did women move up. Um, Walt had the first women animators and the first women artists. Um, that was not done in any other studio. Um, w- women did move up in that company. Uh, Walt, Walt very clearly stated that um, women, uh, it, it, it's, it's all about skill and talent, and it makes no difference if, if it's a man or a woman. He said if, um, if they can do the job, they can do the job. Well, and you know what's funny? You say that that's, people forget this was the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it's almost that, that, um, the way when we have to look back at things, we have to look at them from our perspective and think, well, he did this wrong or he did that, but he didn't every, that's what everybody was doing. Now I'm not saying it's okay, but they, I I don't know. I'm not articulating what I'm trying to say correctly, but the idea that, Oh, this is what people did in the 1940s, all people. But for some reason he gets criticized for doing what everybody else did in the 1940s. Right. Do you understand what no, I'm saying? Well, that's yeah. because no one wants to admit that they or their kin or their ancestry thought that way either. Mm-hmm. Well, but, plus I think people want to, you know, they kind of make fun of Disney fans because they think that we live in this not a real world where we don't admit to re- reality, I'll put it that way. And so it's like they want to de- debunk Disney because people admire him. Yeah. And they're using wrong. You know, where you say <coughs> ignorance can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's happening here is people who have a little bit of information are making assumptions, like you said, Michael, and they're just painting this picture of him or they painted a picture of him on that in that so-called documentary. Yeah. yeah, and there was a lot of good stuff in the documentary, and I'll get to that, but there was just some things that were so glaringly, dis- I found disturbing. You know, the strike, one of the most balanced um, presentations of the strike I've ever seen is the Walt Disney Family Museum. Where the, you know, it's very clear from that Rob did not, I'm Rob, that, that Walt did <laughs> not, I was reading things on the chat boards here, the, um, um, you know that Walt didn't handle it very well, and 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 no one did on any side. But what they they didn't bring out in in that is that even though they went out on strike, that the, the workers at the Disney Studio were the highest paid in the industry. You know, at that time, um, they they didn't get into how one of the reasons Walt was so incensed was that they were they were trying to stop production of the reluctant dragon. They were actively slowing it down and all that. And Dumbo and Bambi and Walt needed it. The studio was in desperate financial straits at that time because of the war. And Walt needed to get the reluctant dragon out the door. And um so 
and and it would they were they were they'd shut down production of it and Walt had had a dates to meet and so he was very frustrated by that because he needed the income to keep the studio doors open but what they didn't get into um was that one of the reasons Walt was so upset with the strike and upset with um with um Robert Sorrell and all that was that Sorrell was demanding you join my shop all your people you should join my shop and Walt said no I'm not going to speak for all of them put it to a vote he says if they vote to join your shop I'm fine with it but I am not going to make the decision for all these people and that wasn't good enough for Babbitt and Sorrell and they said you do it now or we're calling the strike and Walt said I'm not going to do it call a vote and and you know and then we'll go from there and they refused to have the workers vote on whether or not to unionize so um you know so it would have been nice if they brought out you know both sides of that so and they made it sound like the trip to south america was uh you know oh walt did it to get out of there um the the trip had been planned by the state department for months because they were concerned that um the, the Nazis were also having diplomatic relations with some of the countries in South America, which were right on our doorstep. And they had right. sent other stars from Hollywood down there, like, you know, Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra and all that. And they would go down there and they'd get off the plane, say hello to folks, and then go play golf. And that wasn't the purpose. The purpose was to establish relationship so that they'd see the United States in a positive manner. Uh, it was only when and Walt didn't want to go. It was when the State Department suggested, maybe you can find something artistic to do here. And Walt started to think, maybe we can make some films out of this, that then he really got excited about going down there. So the timing was coincidental um, that it happened during the strike, but it it was fortuitous because Roy just needed to end the strike. And so he had to do um, what he had to do in order to get it done. So... Um, Anyway, Tony, you brought up Song of the South. Um, they sort of got into it. They didn't mention that Walt did invite the NAACP leaders to review scripts and to participate in filming, and they refused to be involved with the film. Um, the writer that they quoted who said he could promote the film, he, he actually did write a script. Some of his source material came into question where it was when the studio did a little research. It appeared he was plagiarizing and they ended up not being able to use his script. Um, but what wasn't mentioned in there was um, that Walt was, when they did open it in Atlanta, that Walt um, was incensed when he found out that the black actors from the film could not stay in the hotel that the, that they were staying in. And they ended up not staying in that hotel. Um, as a result of that. And also, um, you know, Uncle Remus, who oh, I'm trying to think of who the, um, oh, who is the actor? Um, I'll, I'll think of oh, it. Um, Bassett. I'm trying to think of his last name, but um, anyway. But I'll think of James it. James Basket. James Basket, thank you. It was, you know, he got a an honorary Academy Award. It was Walt who campaigned for him to get that Academy Award. 
and, and, and who put everything, you put his reputation on the line with the Academy to get him that Academy Award. So, um, so anyway, so, so, you know, again, if you're going to talk about it, then talk about both sides of it is sort of how I think that, you know, they talked about. I'm, I'm just going through here. Oh, they mentioned how he was disattached from Cinderella. What Walt was trying to keep the costs down, and he realized his constantly changing the storyboards and the direction of things and all that was what was driving up the costs. What he did was he got live actors. He filmed the whole thing, all of Cinderella, under his direction with live actors. And he got all the camera shots he wanted, all the angles, all the movements, and all of that, and then he gave it to the animators and said, here's the film, now animate it. And then he let them do it. So, in, And he didn't interrupt them because he was showing them, this is how I want Cinderella to look. And and he was very proud of that film. He loved the, One of his favorite scenes in all the films they ever made was the scene where the where the um the the, the fairy godmother transforms Cinderella's dress into the gown and and he, he just thought that was the most amazing special effects animation that um that was done i think mark davis did that so um anyway and i i felt that they left they left a few really important things out they didn't mention the 64 65 world's fair and how that was such a turning point they didn't mention audio animatronics which changed the theme park um you know, theme parks completely and they didn't and unfortunately they didn't bring up cal arts uh because walt really believed in education he believed in promoting artists and and he left a bulk of his estate to cal arts to get it going so um so you know what what was the positives that i came away with is that it, there was a lot of there were a lot of um, archival photos and videos that had never been seen are very rarely seen. And that was wonderful um, to see all that. And there was, um, I think it introduces Walt to a new generation who will be inspired to learn more about him, hopefully. Um, you know, and so, and what, did any of you have any other thoughts? I've done all the, I've sort of gone on and on and on. <laughs> and I have a lot well, more to bring up. No, but I, li- I like, I, you, I think you hit it well. And I think you psychoanalyze the psychoanalysis. <laughs> Uh, analyzers well and i think you're right when i i remember i'm noticing now that i'm revisiting it based on what you said the cinderella thing they almost made it like yeah he wasn't involved because he needed to get away and like just like the trip like everything came from a negative perspective even if it wasn't Mm -hmm. and then oh well so now he's doing the train thing because and he's building disneyland because he he he's he's fed up with what's going on in the studios right like they 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 always had it with a negative everything you're right everything moved forward because of a negative impetus even though that really wasn't true yeah and and you know and they they really slammed him for having his family values having a positive outlook you know having a corny sense of humor uh i don't know what they expected a theme park to do where it because they, <laughs> they criticize it for being an escape from the harsh realities of the day well you know <laughs> uh, yes isn't that why we go? <laughs> no, I I cannot wait to buy the season pass for the harsh realities of the day. Yes. Amusement oh, park. that is a great attraction. Yeah. So, 
Uh-huh. Anyway, All right. but, but we, if you want to learn more about Walt Disney, I really do recommend you read Bob Thomas's biography. It is the official biography, but it is well balanced, I believe. That is a good, a very good biography. Mm-hmm. I like that one a lot. Um, the Walt Disney Family Museum is basically one large interactive biography of Walt, and they do present a balanced look at Walt. They get into the nervous breakdown, and it's all told in Walt's words. Uh, they get into the nervous breakdown. They get into the strike. Um, they they get into, you know, they also have interviews. Some of the, the people that should have been in this in this biography, I mean, they they have interviews there, and they they you know, Walt isn't an angel. Um, you know, we all have both sides to us. And, you know, they talk about that. Yeah, Walt did come down hard on people. He didn't, you know, they, they, they criticized him because Walt, because Walt would get upset if you didn't, if you put down an idea, but then didn't have a way to fix it, didn't offer a positive idea. Well, you know, isn't that sort of part of our jobs, you know, at, at our workplaces? We have to offer, you know, suggestions for how to improve things. Yep. And then another one you might want to look for, get the DVD, Walt, The Man Behind the Myth. Um, it's really good. It's probably more of what this should have been. Uh, it relies heavily, almost exclusively, on interviews of people who knew him. And it's very, very well done. So that's Walt, The Man Behind the Myth. And take a look, uh, and take a look at that. I think you'll enjoy it. All right. Thank you, Michael. We need to move on. Uh, that will do it for housekeeping. Let's have Tony cover a couple of quick news stories. Quick. These, I was going to go into detail because yeah, I yeah, think yeah. these are important. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the oh, most I important. Okay. No, 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 no. I swear I'm not making fun of you because I'm with you on the story. I want to talk about that. I'm making fun of how crazily unimportant these news stories actually are because I know that there's been talk all over about when are we going to get a new official popcorn <laughs> named? And, and, and fortunately the one that I put all my money on pop secret has been named the official popcorn. Aren't they a microwave popcorn? Thank you. Yes. That's my question. That makes me actually not want to buy the popcorn anymore. When did Orvin Redenbacher leave? A while ago. Oh, okay. They've been using generic. Hmm. I would There's have rather been have nothing wrong with their generic popcorn. I know now I'm literally less likely to buy the popcorn because I'm thinking it's microwave. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? They had little microwaves in the cart. Oh, oh yeah, my gosh! Um, oh my god! The be... little spaceman in the Tomorrowland thing instead of cranking it, he like oh, radiates. Be, be, be right with you in four minutes and thirty seconds. <laughs> and supposedly it's going to be the sponsor of Phantasmic. Mm-hmm. Huh? So, yeah, that's weird. And. Uh, Movie nights sponsored by Pop Secret to be hosted at some of the resort hotels. My big problem is it's microwave popcorn. That I don't want to think that. It's the harsh reality of the day. Um, re- <laughs> retail promotions, sweepstakes, all that. Pop Secret and Disney, a powerhouse team. There you go. Now, if that didn't make you leave the parks, <laughs> <laughs> this may... Great Wolf Lodge is going to open in March. Yay. Oh, it'd be so sad. That place is enormous. 603 rooms, 105,000 square feet indoor water park. And we've got to talk about it. Uh, Nine hole indoor miniature golf. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. The seven dining options will include lodge, wood, fired grill, loose moose, and hungry as a wolf. 
I have no idea what kind of food they're serving. There will be seasonal <laughs> events such as Halloween October and Snowland December. Snow inside. That's a big deal. Uh, Great Wolf is going to have frequent shuttle services to Disneyland and other area attractions. Uh, this is not an ad. Just letting you know that you can now start uh, reserving rooms in October. Oh, wow. Or you can sign up now for like you put yourself on a waiting list. So I'm assuming we're going to all – I'm going to be checking that place out because I'm interested to see. I think it is going to – I personally think it's going to take some people away from the parks maybe yeah. when they were supposed to go back. Right. Like, oh, let's go do the nap and swim and let's just stay here. Yeah. That's what I think. The, the room's rates are um, comparable Exp- to some of the higher end places. And it, and it, and it includes the water park. And, but, yeah. and it includes mm-hmm. the water park. That's the – the deal so well see lily may now postpone her birthday from january to march because of this <laughs> no she's already talking well we can have and i'm gonna take my best friend yeah. and we're gonna go to the water park and we're gonna do that for my birthday this year and so now i'm gonna have yeah to west, west has already claimed hey um you need help reviewing that right <laughs> <laughs> i have what's a feeling we're all gonna go the yeah, same exactly. weekend how's that sound well what's it what's interesting is that you know we've talked about and i talked a lot about as andrew got old got older that um disneyland doesn't have enough for i to be sexist but boys you know 10 and up and now they have star wars but that's still not there yet several years so yeah so it'll just be interesting to see what this does all right thank you tony uh, time for rapid fire. I will go first uh, real quick. D Street is now giving guests the opportunity to create personalized uh, cases for their electronic accessories with DTEC on demand. Uh, now, they've had this at some some events and things like that. I think they may have had it at the expos and things like that. But I guess we'll be able to choose from several designs for their cases for their iPhone or whatever other device they want to put it on, including art inspired by the Diamond Celebration and selections from the Wonderground Gallery, which is kind of cool. So Nice. Some Jared Mariama and stuff like that. Um, and creating your personalized case only takes 15 minutes. So get out there. Uh, it is open now at uh, D Street, so that's kind of cool. Um, Nancy, your turn. Okay, so big news out of Legoland. You know, this year they um, opened up the Heart Lake City section, and and Don't also sing. the. Um, no, I I wouldn't know any of those songs okay. if you paid me. Um, anyway, and they just <laughs> opened up the new Chimera section of the water park. Well, guess what? Next year's is going to be, they're going to capitalize on the popularity of their Ninjago products and their Ninjago cartoon, which is basically ninja themed. And they will be opening a Ninjago land. Now, apparently this is going on um, throughout Legolands all around the world. Deutschland's getting a really huge new attraction. Um, Ours is going to be a little different. It's not going to be an outdoor thrill ride. It's actually going to be a an interactive ride, which will, they say, use 3D imagery and high-tech sensors so that the individual riders will be able to use hand motions as opposed to holding, like, a blaster or something like that um, to blast animated fireballs, lightning, shockwaves, and ice, because those are apparently the talents of the <laughs> big... 
Ninjago ninjas. So the basically a party of four will ride. It's four to a car, and they'll move through eight different areas. Um, they're even mentioning um, in the in the uh, San Diego Union Tribune article that I found. Um, they're mentioning that you expect to see this show up at a Disney park first, but the technology is is theirs first. So this is kind of cool. interesting. Yeah, that they're grabbing technology. Did, that did you, did you say an opening date? Uh, hang on. They're looking. Um, Isn't it spring of 2016 or something like that? Okay. Cool. Something like that. They've got a new Ninjago film that's before next, before next doing summer. 2017, but yeah. Okay. They've partnered with uh, Triotech, um, they, which is the same company that worked on Knott's Berry Farm's Voyage to the Iron Reef. Oh, that was good, so, yeah. And so, um, so basically it's going to be four to a car. They're going to move through eight different areas. Initially, they will be schooled in ancient martial arts technique by Master Wu for preparation into a cave where they will do battle. And then they're also going to have an enhanced sensory effect. So it's going to be a 4D kind of thing. So not only is it 3D imagery, but it's going to be 4D heat, smoke, wind. Um, will make appearances throughout the adventure. Once they reach the rider's finale, they'll get um, tallied scores. So just like any of the other cool, you know, type attractions that we have at Disney, like Buzz Lightyear or, you know... Um, that one thing over in California Adventure that I haven't written forever. Um, Toy Story. Yeah, that Very one. Fun. Midway Mania. So um, at, at that point, they will learn whether they have graduated and become a member of the Ninjago team or not. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you, Nancy. Mary Jo. Oh, I'd mentioned that I didn't mention too that there's going to be a new Asian restaurant as well as um, the whole area is going to be done up like a training camp. There's going to be an imagination zone, a building area, wow. and um, a new shopping venue, and like I said, Asian cuisine. So I don't know if they're moving the Noodle House from one side of the park to the other, or if this is going to be a whole new Asian concept. Cool. So, all right, thank you, uh, Major. Last week, Nancy and I had been talking about the gingerbread houses at the Jazz Kitchen, and I now have dates. So they're going to be having the Haunted Gingerbread House on October 24th from 12 to 2 p.m. Tickets go online um, on September 28th by 10 a.m. So the, there's no link right now. So Google um, Jazz Kitchen for the link for September 28th. Then the holiday for will be Saturday, December 12th. From 2 to 12 and Saturday, December 19th and Sunday, December 20th, 12 to 2 p.m. And those tickets go on sale November 9th. And Nancy and I will, well, before I get into that, $48 per gingerbread kit. The gingerbread kits for two people, you get two seats, soft drinks, and a special treat. And if you have more than two people, you can purchase additional seats for $12. And that's what I did when I took my two nephews and Nancy, you may have done that. That's what I did with Lil. Yeah. Well, actually, we split it up. I found another adult to go with me to, that okay, wanted so, to do it. So you had two gingerbread houses, but we had just the one. And I think Nancy and I would both agree in that it's a good idea to take extra decorating items. I went to the little mm-hmm. cake section at the store, got some extra icing and little... um Extra colors, little yeah, candy. You know, they have yeah. cupcake decorations and stuff, and that's, and we added those to our gingerbread house. And another thing, you can tell who's done it before because they always go prepared. 
a lot of people took um, like either boxes to put their gingerbread houses in or a more sturdy base to put the gingerbread house when they carried it out because they're fun to make. But then what do you do with them when you walk out of the jazz kitchen? So you want to make sure you yep. have something sturdy so you can take it back to your hotel or what have you when you do it. But we had fun. My nephews were 13 and 11, and they both enjoyed doing it. So we all had fun doing it. Very cool. It's an awesome time. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mary Jo. Tony. Well, if you want to go ahead and practice then... You can bring your little ones or yourself over to the Science of Gingerbread, November twenty seventh through January third at the Discovery Science Cube, the Discovery Cube, and you're going to have inside the kitchen much more is going on than pouring and mixing. Holiday festivals filled with great hands-on activities designed to bring families together, compete in a gingerbread derby, explore gingerbread learning stations, and check out over two hundred award-winning gingerbread competition entries. And if you would like. To enter the one you make there, you can bring it over, drive down. You can download an entry form, and they invite you to participate in the annual Science of Gingerbread contest. And you, the award categories are Best Holiday Theme, Best Buy and Organization, Best Youth 5 and Under, Best Youth Ages 6 to 13, Best Youth Group Classroom, Best Buy Member of the Cube, okay, Best Hot Wheels Inspired, nice, I see how that works, Best Science Theme, and... Uh, and uh, people's choice. So you can actually use it double duty. So there you go. It's gingerbread everywhere in Orange County. Very cool. Thank you, Tony. Michael. Well, Tony, I have an, another restaurant for you to review in Disneyland. You may have, <laughs> okay. you may have missed Thank the you. opening. It very quietly <laughs> opened on September 11th. And this is called 21 Royal Street. And where is this you at, might ask? Twenty one. Hey, Michael, Street. where is this? This is in New Orleans Square. Thank you oh, for asking. Okay. You... Um, you probably remember way back when, um, when Walt Disney was still alive, they were building apartments right above, uh, you know, right above Pirates of the Caribbean for the family. But when he passed away, they discontinued. Um, Roy said to discontinue using it. Uh, they weren't going to use it anymore. So um, the apartments were never completed. One of the things that were never completed was the dining room. The rest of it opened as the Disney Gallery and all that. Well, the address of the apartment, so the story goes, was going to be 21 Royal Street. That's where the entrance would be. Um, it wasn't until years later and Tony Baxter, to improve um, guest flow, built the, the flyover bridge and those the beautiful sweeping um, staircases to the front to what is the living room of the Disney gallery and all that, that, that became the entrance. So what they've done is they've basically completed that whole club 33 jazz club and waltz apartment complex so what this is now is that the dining room is opened up and it's you can access it um from the patio to disneyland dream suite and what it is is it's this is stunningly gorgeous it's still based on the whole dorothea redmond style they have beautiful, um, you know, antiques and artwork in there. Um, it, it, this is an experience. Parties of up to 14 guests at a time can tailor their evening to include different experiences, like a ride from Main Street to New Orleans Square aboard the Lily Bell, cocktails in the Dream Suite. You can watch Fantasmic and Fireworks from the Dream Suite balcony. Uh, you can have a custom dinner menu overseen by Disneyland's resort celebrity chef and, and Nancy's personal chef, Andrew Sutton. <laughs> um, 
Now, you'd think that this would be off limits to regular guests, but you're only partially correct. You, you can't just walk up to 21 Royal Street and take a look, but if you're willing to pay, you can make a reservation and book an evening you will never forget. Right now, mostly it's Club 33 members making these reservations, but so they're difficult to get, but they're not impossible. It very much, this is a very sophisticated and classic venue, closely matches the look and feel of both the Dream Suite and Club 33, as if it's been there from the beginning. Some of the artwork on the walls, it's like the Haunted Mansion when it was still a grand and beautiful mansion before, all, you know, before it turned to the dark side. Uh, you know, beautiful streets of New Orleans are there. Um, b- beautiful bayou settings is painted there. There is some Disney magic. The magic mirror in the dining room lights the candles. Um, so, and then the, they have um, director's chairs there where you can watch Disneyland Forever and Fantasmic, like I said. So, every party here is different, tailored to the request of the guests who booked them. There's a lot of options, so you can't get an exact price. But, Roughly, what do you think with this, you know, with these lovely experiences and um, a, a personalized menu by Andrew Sutton? Tony, what would you be willing to pay for that experience? Well, I mean... Oh, and it's all I'm paired thinking, with wines, too. Oh, I assume, well, I'll get a passholder discount. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like, maybe... Thanks for thanks for ruining the joke there. Um, I was going to go with, like, five, you know, maybe, like, you know, an extra ten, ten, twenty dollars. No, seriously. Um, considering last week's show, I gotta go four figures at least. Four figures? Yeah, a thousand. I would go higher than that. Yeah. I would go five thousand. If if it's five hundred dollars or more per guest is what you can expect. It's a good pay. deal. So fourteen, yeah. So yeah, five thousand. Yeah, so and so you know, you go to that that breakfast in the morning on the jungle cruise for 300 <laughs> a person and then dinner for 500 you know that's quite a spectacular day so anyway 21 royal street check it out for that special occasion there you go all right thank you michael um somebody was asking about the cost of of great wolf lodge i think rooms start at around 250 regular rooms suites family suites around 400 but again, it depends on the season, depends on uh, availability, and depends on... No, I'm sorry, it doesn't depend on anything else. Um, but like I said, it includes the water park. All right, folks, thank you for listening. That is going to do it for this segment of the Des Unplugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Disneyland shows this week. And of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.